Book Two, Chapter Two of Amelia, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Amelia by Henry Fielding. Mr. Booth continues his story. In this chapter, there are some passages which may serve as a kind of touchstone by which a young lady may examine the heart of her lover i was advised therefore that every lover be obliged to read it over in the presence of his mistress and that she carefully watch his emotions while he is reading i was under the utmost concern cries booth when i retired from my visit and had reflected coolly on what i had said i now saw plainly that i had made downright love to amelia and i feared such as was my vanity that i had already gone too far and been too successful feared do i say could i fear what i hoped how shall i describe the anxiety of my mind you need give yourself no great pain cried miss matthews to describe what i can so easily guess to be honest with you mr booth i do not agree with your lady's opinion that the men have a superior understanding in the matters of love men are often blind to the passions of women but every woman is as quick-sighted as a hawk on these occasions nor is there one article in the whole science which is not understood by all our sex however madam said mr booth i now undertook to deceive amelia i abstained three days from seeing her to say the truth i endeavoured to work myself up to a resolution of leaving her for ever but when i could not so far subdue my passion but why do i talk nonsense of subduing passion i should say when no other passion could surmount my love i returned to visit her and now i attempted the strangest project which ever entered into the silly head of a lover this was to persuade amelia that i was really in love in another place and had literally expressed my meaning when i asked her advice and desired her to be my confidant I therefore forged a meeting to have been between me and my imaginary mistress since I had last seen Amelia and related the particulars as well as I could invent them which had passed at our conversation Poor Amelia presently swallowed this bait and as she had told me since absolutely believed me to be in earnest Poor dear love how should the sincerest of hearts have any idea of deceit for with all her simplicity I assure you she is the most sensible woman in the world It is highly generous and good in you said miss Matthews with a sly sneer to impute to honesty what others would perhaps call credulity I Protest madam answered he I do her no more than justice a good heart will at times betray the best head in the world Well madam my angel was now if possible more confused than before She looked so silly if you can hardly believe it yes yes i can answered the lady with a laugh i can believe it well well go on after some hesitation cried he my amelia said faintly to me mr booth you use me very ill you desire me to be your confidant and conceal from me the name of your mistress is it possible then madam answered i that you cannot guess her when i tell you she is one of your acquaintance and lives in this town my acquaintance said she la mr booth in this town i i i thought i could have guessed for once 
but I have an ill talent that way. I will never attempt to guess anything again. Indeed, I do her an injury when I pretend to represent her manner. Her manner, look, voice, everything was inimitable. Such sweetness, softness, innocence, modesty. Upon my soul, if ever man could boast of his resolution, I think I might now, that I abstained from falling prostrate at her feet and adoring her. However, I triumphed. Pride, I believe, triumphed. Or perhaps love got the better of love. We once more parted, and I promised the time I, the next time I saw her, to reveal the name of my mistress. I now had, I thought, gained a complete victory over myself, and no small compliments did I pay to my own resolution. In short, I triumphed as cowards and niggards do, when they flatter themselves with having given some supposed instance of courage or generosity, and my triumph lasted as long, that is to say, till my ascendant passion had a proper opportunity of displaying itself in its true and natural colours. Having hitherto succeeded so well in my own opinion, and obtained this mighty self-conquest, I now entertained a design of exerting the most romantic generosity, and of curing the unhappy passion which I perceived I had raised in Amelia. Among the ladies who had expressed the greatest satisfaction at my Amelia's misfortune, Miss Osborne had distinguished herself in a very eminent degree. She was, indeed, the next in beauty to my angel, nay, she had disputed the preference, and had some among her admirers who were blind enough to give it in her favour. "'Well,' cries the lady, "'I will allow you to call them blind, but Miss Osborne was a charming girl.' "'She certainly was handsome,' answered he, "'and a very considerable fortune. "'So I thought my Amelia would have little difficulty in believing me when I fixed on her as my mistress. "'And I concluded that my thus placing my affections on her known enemy would be the surest method of eradicating every tender idea with which i had been ever honoured by amelia well then to amelia i went she received me with more than usual coldness and reserve in which to confess the truth there appeared to me more of anger than indifference and more of dejection than of either after some short introduction i revived the discourse of my amour and presently mentioned miss osborne as the lady whose name I had concealed, adding that the true reason why I did not mention her before was that I apprehended there was some little distance between them, which I hoped to have the happiness of accommodating. Amelia answered with much gravity, If you know, sir, that there is any distance between us, I suppose you know the reason of that distance, and then I think I could not have expected to be affronted by her name. I would not have you think, Mr. Booth, that I hate Miss Osborne, no heaven is my witness i despise her too much indeed when i reflect how much i love the woman who hath treated me so cruelly i own it gives me pain when i lay as i then imagined and as all about me believed on my deathbed, in all the agonies of pain and misery to become the object of laughter to my dearest friend oh mr booth it is a cruel reflection and could i after this have expected from you but why not from you, to whom I am a person entirely indifferent, if such a friend could treat me so barbarously? During the greatest part of this speech the tears streamed from her bright eyes. I could endure it no longer. I caught up the word indifferent, and repeated it, saying, Do you think, then, madam, that Miss Emily is indifferent to me? 
yes surely i do she answered i know i am indeed why should i not be indifferent to you have my eyes said i then declared nothing oh there is no need of your eyes answered she your tongue hath declared that you have singled out of all womankind my greatest i will say my basest enemy i own i once thought that character would have been no recommendation to you but why did i think so i was born to deceive myself i then fell upon my knees before her and forcing her hand cried out oh my amelia i can bear no longer you are the only mistress of my affections you are the deity i adore in this style i ran on for above two or three minutes which it is impossible to repeat till a torrent of contending passions together with the surprise overpowered her gentle spirits and she fainted away in my arms to describe my sensation till she returned to herself is not in my power you need not cried miss matthews oh happy amelia why had i not been blessed with such a passion i am convinced madam continued he you cannot expect all the particulars of the tender scene which ensued i was not enough in my senses to remember it all let it suffice to say that all behaviour with which amelia while ignorant of its motive had been so much displeased when she became sensible to that motive proved the strongest recommendation to her favour and she was pleased to call it generous generous repeated the lady and so it was almost beyond the reach of humanity i question whether you ever had an equal perhaps the critical reader may have the same doubt with miss matthews and lest he should we will here make a gap in our history to give him an opportunity of accurately considering whether this conduct of mr booth was natural or no and consequently whether we have in this place maintained or deviated from that strict adherence to universal truth which we profess above all other historians End of Book 2, Chapter 2